You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Old breaches get new legs, courtesy of bots, password reuse, and criminal ballyhoo. Point-of-sale malware, phishing, DDoS, and ransomware are still the big four of cybercrime. Some innovative companies attract encouraging amounts of venture capital. What some recent court decisions have to say about mobile location data. Finally, when thinking of security, don't stop at cyber. Remember that we all live in a physical space, and we hesitate to even think about what the cameras around electrical substations might show us. I mean, now we've got to worry about monkeys? I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary and week in review for Friday, June 10th, 2016. Old breaches, those at LinkedIn, MySpace, and Tumblr in particular, continue to show new life, turning out to be bigger and more exploitable, to some extent because of widespread user practices like password reuse. Some companies, Netflix prominently among them, are proactively looking through the millions of compromised credentials to find email addresses and passwords reused by their customers, and they're warning the customers whose data they find to change their passwords. We've received a number of reactions from security experts to the fallout of these old breaches. The case of Twitter is one they find particularly interesting, given Twitter's clear statements that it hasn't been hacked itself. Last Line's Craig Kensick told us, quote, It would take more than 140 characters to give comprehensive advice to Twitter account holders. Have strong, unique passwords for each site. Change passwords on a regular basis. Use multi-factor authentication. Use a password manager. As an aside, we applaud Mr. Kensick for putting that advice into 139 characters. Other experts give similar advice. Brad Buzzy, director of product management at StealthBits Technologies, told us, quote, If what Twitter is saying is true about not being breached, we have an aggressive form of endpoint malware on our hands, end quote. He thinks the incident offers a wake-up call about the value of password managers and multi-factor authentication. Remember, he tells us, there are bots on the internet that are trying usernames and passwords from other breaches 24-7 to see where else the credentials might grant access. And we also received some reassuring perspective from InfoArmor's Chief Intelligence Officer Andrew Komarov. Komarov's aware of the risks, but he advises people to stay calm and remember that crooks are crooks. He told us, quote, All this data is from third-party sources and botnets, and in 80% it is fake or generated, and that's why we suggest that people be calm, end quote. He says that the best way to understand this sort of incident is as a form of criminal speculation, the crooks, after all, are in it for the money. It's not as if they're disinterested security researchers. 
There's been another large breach reported, by the way, this one from the uTorrent forum, which has told its members to reset their credentials. A database containing 385,000 usernames and passwords has been compromised. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use. With zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And joining me once again is Marcus Roschecker. He's from the University of Maryland Center for Health and Homeland Security. Marcus, I saw an article recently in Engadget, and it was outlining how courts are saying that police don't need warrants for phone location data. What can you tell us about this development? Yes, uh, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit came down with an important decision. Um, It now gets the Fourth Circuit in line with the other circuits in the country. The decision basically said that uh, cell phone Uh, location data is uh, not subject to Fourth Amendment protections. As you might know, um, when a user of a cell phone uh, makes a call or texts, um, that data, of course, gets transferred over a cell phone tower. And a service provider like Sprint or AT&T or Verizon will uh, be able to see the rough location of where a call is coming from, of where a cell phone that's being used to make the call or to text is located based on which Uh, tower that cell phone is connecting to. So that kind of information now, according to the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals, um, cannot be protected uh, by the Fourth Amendment. That is uh, is available to the government. Government can get this information from the cell phone service provider uh, without a warrant. And in the article, it spoke about, uh, it said that volunteering your position information means that you've given up what they what is referred to as a reasonable expectation of privacy. And I see that phrase used in a lot of these legal briefings. But is that sense of a reasonable expectation of privacy, is that something that's evolving as our mobile devices learn more and more about our, our personal lives? Yeah, so you're quite right. This reasonable expectation of privacy is the general test of whether or not a warrant is required by the government. 
So um, generally speaking, if a person has a reasonable expectation of privacy uh, in certain information, uh, then the government will need a warrant to get access to that information. The government can't just come in and take that. A um, good example, of course, is our home. We have an, a reasonable expectation of privacy within our home. Government can't just come in and uh, search our homes uh, without actually getting a warrant first. That is what the Fourth Amendment protects. So when we're talking about technology, this concept of what is a reasonable expectation of privacy certainly seems to be evolving. Um, we certainly are sh seem to be sharing a lot more information about ourselves online, in social media. Uh, we're texting pictures and other uh, ideas that we have. We, we share them all over the place. So, of course, the courts have said that it's much more appropriate for Congress to decide uh, where to draw the line, where this reasonable expectation of privacy rests, um, than it is for courts to make that policy. Um, but we'll have to see how, when, how, uh, how things develop as the technology develops. All right, Marcus Roschecker, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. The big four of cybercrime, point-of-sale malware, phishing, DDoS, and ransomware were all in the news this week. The U.S. fast food chain Wendy's disclosed last month that about 300 of its restaurants had experienced a point-of-sale malware infection, which the Ohio-based chain said it had contained. Unusual credit card activity back in January had flagged a problem, but yesterday Wendy's announced that the problems appear to extend to many more than the 300 sites it had initially believed were infected. Specific numbers aren't known yet, but the company says the number of affected stores is significantly higher and that the problem may not yet be contained. Wendy's operates in 5,800 locations, which gives some sense of how higher the tally could rise. So what can be done about point-of-sale security? The chip-and-pin technology now being rolled out across North America is a partial answer. But as Peter Kengezi, Balabit's Blindspotter product manager, told the CyberWire, Europe's used that technology for a good decade, and they still experience credit card fraud on the other side of the pond. The target may get harder, but criminals will adapt as long as there's money to be made. Gengezi still thinks consumers should use their chipped cards whenever possible, but he has some specific advice for merchants. He tells us, quote, The first step is to realize that POS terminals are extremely attractive targets for attackers and treat them accordingly. Ensure that the network connection is protected and firewalled from the rest of the infrastructure. Apply all firmware updates as soon as they become available, end quote. He also advises watching your admin traffic. Anomalies should put you on your guard. Merchants also commonly use physical systems, security cameras prominently among them, to keep their businesses safe. Cameras aren't without their vulnerabilities, as we learned at the last hacking shindig at the Jailbreak Brewing Company in Laurel, Maryland. We caught up with one of that conference's featured experts, Wes Weinberg of Microsoft, to learn a bit more about the problem. Over time, embedded devices have changed in a lot of ways and stayed the same in a lot of ways. 
So for security cameras in particular, there's been a shift over the last mm, five, 10 years where uh, systems that previously used to be entirely analog and have more or less direct wired connections back to some sort of video recorder um, now have switched to a model where they're all IP based um, and so can still have that same direct wired connectivity back to a video recorder, but can also have uh, connectivity much further. And so that kind of mirrors what I've seen in a lot of other device markets. Um, and that often poses a lot of risk to the people using the device because now there's uh, much further connectivity that was never there. It's easy to think of a security camera as a benign device, sitting out of reach high up on the corner of a building or inside a lobby or waiting area. Quite a few companies, maybe even the majority of companies, will put their security cameras on the same network as other building automation systems or just as their same corporate network. Since it requires an IP connection, uh, most companies just move to whatever is familiar and convenient. Um, whether that's their same building automation system or whether that's their corporate network. So now if the camera's on the same network acting as yet one more way to get onto that network, if someone compromises a camera, they can now use that to talk to all your other building automation devices as well. Um, conversely, if it's just sitting on your corporate network, um, it's, it's a device that's very hard to uh, manage and monitor. Um, a standard PC, there's lots of software tools and techniques to know what's running on a PC if a user's computer's been infected. Um, embedded devices are a much different world for that, um, yet at the same time have just as much access to your network as any other device. One kind of compromise for embedded video cameras is, of course, getting access to the video stream itself. When it comes to commercial security cameras, in many cases, a lot of the cameras are just pointed at public spaces in the first place. So while it might be interesting to people to watch their video feeds, they're not necessarily exposing any private data. Um, some companies, of course, will have cameras inside their buildings looking at more sensitive areas, uh, but the general use case is more external and perimeter security. Where it does sometimes get interesting is there was an example um, a couple of years ago where a group was targeting uh, point-of-sale systems, uh, trying to steal credit card numbers and so on, and they combined that with compromising an IP camera's video feed so that they could watch people type in their PIN numbers and then try and correlate that to uh, the card data that they were stealing. Compromising a camera video feed is one thing, but Weinberg says this kind of embedded device can open your network to even more serious issues. With an embedded device like a camera, as long as it continues to function as expected, it's very unlikely that anyone's ever going to look into whether or not anything might have been changed on the device. So the end result is that um, it's completely possible for an attacker to modify the code that's running on a camera, repackage it, uh, update the camera essentially, but at the same time have the camera give no indication that any changes or updates have been made. Uh, what this means then is if you've got an advanced attacker on a network, instead of compromising, say, a user's PC, where, uh, you know, once the company is trying to track down an infection, they might pull the hard drive from that computer, start to run forensics on it. Uh, if you instead target an embedded device like a camera, first of all, it can be much more difficult to even expect that that would be a target that was compromised. Uh, but second, it's extremely difficult to... Uh, recover any traces of what the attacker might have done 
uh, because it's just simply not a function that the camera would typically provide. Many IP cameras are running commonly used operating systems, which presents attackers with a wide variety of opportunities to compromise a network. From an attacker point of view, they've got the ideal setup where they can just build their malicious firmware, run the tool, and you know update every single camera that the company's running. The camera system I looked at just runs an embedded version of Linux on an ARM processor. So an architecture that's fairly common, uh, especially these days, um, and an operating system that's very well understood by uh, attackers and users alike um, with you know support for pretty much uh, any security testing tool that you might like. Um, so the opportunity is open to an attacker if they're able to um, update the firmware or gain otherwise gain access to the camera are pretty open. And that was kind of the second part of my findings was now if we're not just worrying about maybe persistence, which is great through the firmware update, but we just want to have a target on the network that we can compromise, you know, maybe store our tools on, um, do that as a point of attack. A Linux system that you can easily compromise remotely is always going to be a great thing in the mind of an attacker. Um, and that's essentially what the camera I looked at was. Uh, it has a web interface, uh, just like many Linux devices do, or many Linux systems do. And there were several functions within the web interface which could potentially be leveraged to gain uh, remote shell access on the device. Basically, the, the camera is a vulnerable system on your network, um, a vulnerable system running Linux. But unlike the computer systems that you might you know, be scanning for on a regular basis and taking inventory of, uh, a camera is very likely to be overlooked as that vulnerable Linux system by a company who's running it. So, if you're using IP security cameras on your network, Weinberg has some advice. So, my big recommendation for what owners of these devices should do is just simply put them on their own separate network. Whether that's physical wiring um, or setting up VLANs and firewall rules appropriately so that really nothing can get to the cameras and the cameras can't get back to anything else other than the video recording system that they should be talking to. That's security researcher Wesley Weinberg. In his day job, he works for Microsoft, but he asked us to mention that the presentation he gave at the Jailbreak Security Summit was independent research. To resume our cybercrime rundown, phishing, particularly in the form of business email compromise, continues to rise in the English-speaking world. Distributed denial-of-service attacks are also surging, and businesses are well advised to address this risk in their planning. And ransomware continues to pay, just ask them up in Calgary, as its criminal masters shift to different payloads and delivery methods. If you're keeping score at home, Tesla Crypt is out and Crisis is in. Cryptex has jumped ship from Angler to the Neutrino exploit kit, and Lockheed's fallen off dramatically as the botnet principally engaged in serving it has apparently vanished from the wild. There's some encouraging industry news this week as venture capital flows to some interesting startups. Zimperium, the mobile security company, has received $25 million in Series C funding. Silence, whose tools congressional investigators now believe were the ones that detected the OPM breach, has joined the ranks of the unicorns with $100 million in Series D capital. Finally, we here at the CyberWire have long been trying to draw attention to the risks to critical infrastructure, especially water and power. We've covered the Bowman Avenue dam hack in Rye, New York, and the takedown of the power grid in eastern Ukraine by implausibly deniable Russian cyber goons. But it's often said correctly that squirrels have a power grid takedown track record the FSB could only dream about. 
and will continue to add, although none of you seem to be paying proper attention to the matter, that snakeouts have long been a problem on Guam. An expert from Tenable has pointed out this week that the North American electrical grid could be disrupted for months by the coordinated physical destruction of just nine well-selected substation transformers. We hope utility security managers are thinking about more than just fences and that they're hardening their other physical security measures, including those IP cameras Wes Weinberg has been telling us about. But wait, there's more. If this weren't enough to worry us, as if on cue, Kenya's power grid goes down when a monkey inserts itself into the works. Squirrels and snakes and monkeys, oh my. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.